Uh, thanks, ushers, for coming ahead with the offering now. And I invite you to turn in your Bible uh, to Proverbs chapter 3. While I'm uh, inviting you to turn, just thanks to Hoshue for um, his uh, gymnastic ability with our slide set today. We had things in a certain order, and he's been a great help there. Thanks. Uh, I want to invite you again into Proverbs chapter 3. Uh, we've been going through that. We've, we're just about done. We're just about done. I thought we'd be done when we got to October, but it'll be just, um, at, just at the end of October that we'll be wrapping up uh, Proverbs chapter 3. A couple weekends ago, Lana and I were on Vancouver Island, and I don't know if you're aware of this, but Vancouver Island has the highest concentration of caves in North America, and that's due in part to the erosion of uh, soluble rocks and the creation of some amazing caves. Has anyone ever been spelunking on the island before? It's quite an experience. Okay, there's, uh, I see that spelunker hand at the back. Um, and there's also some amazing formations to explore on Gabriola Island. We'd never been to Gabriola, so we went over there. It was a day somewhat like today, but we did get some breaks in the weather, and we explored uh, not this particular spot, but some very unique formations, again, due to erosion by the sea. We were walking along uh, one beach, and we saw a couple uh, relaxing there uh, on their property, and we were walking along the beach in front of their place and chatted and, you know, it was typical, he, you know, the gentleman said, well, where are you from? And I said, oh, I'm from the island. And he said, oh, you're from Gabriola. And I've run into this problem before. No, I'm from the island. I'm from Vancouver Island. Some, some discernment was necessary. In fact, I have a little test I use uh, when I meet people and we're exchanging where we're from. Uh, I, can, I can usually tell where they're from by how they respond to my sentence, I'm from the island, and if they say, what island, then I have a, have a sense of maybe they come from further away. We need discernment in a lot of situations in our lives. And today we continue on in our series, The Way of Wisdom, from Proverbs chapter 3, and we've been considering this idea that wisdom is not just uh, an information kind of knowledge, but it's an actually a, a moral skillfulness. So it impacts the way we live our lives. The moral skill we're considering today is discernment. And throughout the book of Pro throughout this study of Proverbs, I I've been mentioning that the Proverbs uh, uh, invite us to pursue, guard, practice God's wisdom. It's not something we take in as a theory to be possessed or um, we give it a mental nod, but it actually transform our transforms our lives. And wisdom is something that God patiently and persistently wants to invest in our, our lives as His followers. It says in Proverbs 2, verse 6, The Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Makes me think of times when uh, particularly one of our boys was little, and he would say, Dad, you know, ask a question. And then I would answer that question, and then he would have a follow-up question. He had many follow-up questions. And I used to think 
if I could just give the most amazing answer, no more questions, but that wasn't possible. He just had more questions. And I think of um, my inability to transfer God's truth. And we need to reckon with that because only from God will we get the true wisdom and knowledge and understanding that we need. Now, the reason we are looking, uh, if um, you may recall, the reason we're looking in such a detailed way through the book of, uh, through Proverbs chapter 3, we've been looking at other places in Proverbs, but it's this idea that I think we can fall prey to kind of a, a hunt and peck method of, um, of Bible study. Here's some wild turkeys on Vancouver Island. We saw some while we were driving around, and I, at first I thought that they had escaped, but then later I was uh, scrounging around on the internet, and I learned that there are wild turkeys uh, that are wild on Vancouver Island. And these invaded uh, community, and people were not so impressed. But we do do that sometimes with Scripture. I need an, a specific answer about a particular need, and we kind of hunt and peck. And, and, and we really like the encouraging passages. I don't know if you're like me. I really like the encouraging passages. Now, the passages that tell me I'm not doing something correctly, I'm not honestly so fond of those passages. But we need to go through a passage like Proverbs 3, not just looking at verse 5 and 6 where it promises uh, um, God's guidance and blessing and direction, but we need all of the uh, passage to teach us. We began with a look at Auguste Rodin's famous statue, Le Penseur, the, the thinker, and that, that figure for me reminds me of the human tendency to ponder and to pursue knowledge and wisdom. So the, the wisdom of God that we've been looking at so far, so far through Proverbs 3, I've got listed for you. We've, we've covered seven different topics that are just about to magically appear for you. There they are. And today we're on number eight, which is um, discernment. So I'm going to read verses uh, 21 through 24. Proverbs chapter 3. My son, preserve sound judgment and discernment. Do not let them out of your sight. They will be life for you, an ornament to grace your neck. Then you will go on your way in safety and your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. And I recognize if you're following in your scripture, verse 25 looks like it, it's quite linked, and I think it is, uh, but I'm going to wait and we'll tackle that verse next week. Uh, this passage um, has this pretty predictable pattern. We've seen this in a lot of couplets so far in this chapter, and that is this idea that there's a command and then there's a consequence, or there's, there's an instruction and then there's the listed the benefits uh, that come from following that instruction. The command is simply preserve sound judgment and discernment, not, not to let them out of your sight. And this idea of discernment, as you would read in the New International Version, or discretion, as the New American Standard Bible uh, translates it, it is a term, a Hebrew term, that is... Um, is based on the word for a purpose or a plot. We maybe might say a strategy or a scheme. In fact, 
In other parts of the New Testament, that word is used when describing people who have an evil scheme or an evil plot. But particularly in Proverbs, it has a positive use. In, in other words, it's speaking of uh, discerning, uh, having God's purposes, God's schemes, if you will, or God's direction uh, for our, our lives. And I really uh, hope we hear in this word discernment, though it seems very static, discernment, this is good or this is bad, just trying to distinguish. This seems very static, but I think with the use of this term in this Hebrew term, it, there's conveyed a little bit more direction and action. I think action is implicit here. Preserve sound judgment. Don't, don't let them out of your sight. This is something very active. In fact, later in Proverbs 15, verse 14, we read, the discerning heart seeks knowledge. So when we're discerning, when we're trying to understand God's purpose for our lives, it, it's a pursuit. We're seeking after the direction He has for us. The consistent message throughout all of Proverbs is that the person of wisdom and discernment is a humble student of God's truth. And as we approach God's wisdom and understanding in that way, as we pursue, um, we will grow and we will experience uh, blessings. And that's what we come to then in verses 22 through 24. I've summarized these as, as three. We could maybe divide them up in more detail. Uh, but we experience God's blessing. We have blessed consequences when we follow God's wisdom when we seek after His discernment in our lives. I would simply say that discernment is an active engagement in the ways of God. It's not just knowing I should do this and I shouldn't do that. That's not enough. It's discernment actually is being engaged in God's ways. Um, understanding, sure, but then acting on that understanding to follow after the way that God has called you uh, to live. So when we walk in discernment, we're going to experience some blessings. And uh, the first I'll call graced to be gracious, because I don't think these are just blessings that are for us, but they impact, they affect, they start to characterize our lives, and then that oozes out in blessing to others. So, graced to be gracious. It's a kind of a cool um, description here in verse 23, uh, or 22, sorry. Uh, there's an, an, an adornment, an ornament to grace your neck. I've never, I've never been uh, fond of, of necklaces and never wore one. I remember when our youngest found one, and then after a week or so, I think he was quite young when this happened, but after a week or so, um, it was, I guess, not good metal, and he started to react to it, so he had all kinds of um, mess on his chest there. Um, but this is, a, this is a picture that's not uncommon in Proverbs, going back to chapter 1 and verse 9. There, um, they will be a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. And we, we understand the beauty of, um, of uh, um, jewelry and uh, different kinds of adornment. And uh, the author here is trying to get us to see that 
when we pursue discernment, when we act uh, and, and, and are actively engaged in the way of God, it, we are going to be graced. And that way that God graces our lives, obviously not with physical baubles, we're not talking about physical bling, we're talking about spiritual, is that a word? David can, can maybe write a paper on that for his program. Spiritual bling. Uh, having, having an adornment to life that blesses others. Now, I think the best way to explain that is just to ask you, think of that person. You probably know right away, ah, yeah, I, I know someone who is steeped in the wisdom and the ways of God, and they're, they're such a blessing to be around. And that's what we're talking. Someone who is blessed by God in their, in their walk of obedience, and now that's starting to show and, and display God to other people. Now, some of those people we've read about or we've watched a movie about, and they, their lives, you know, even long after they're gone, still have an impact. The, the next blessing is verse 23, led to be leaders. Then you will walk in your way securely. Your foot will not stumble. I don't know about you, but the person that I would like to to follow up a difficult mountain path is somebody who's not stumbling, but somebody who's sure-footed. Did anybody else see that video this week of someone being rescued out of Gold Creek? Did you see that video? And um, Harvey, you got to see that video because uh, it was a, a group of uh, Indo-Canadian gentlemen that took off their turbans, tied it together, and let, let it down and um, pulled the guy out of raging water. Now, when I was in northern Pakistan, uh, we tried to cross a river. I got stuck. I got swept down and stuck behind a rock. And a, a group of Pakistani men, I think there was only about 10 of them on that one jeep, came along and they had a, this little rope and they pulled me out. And they said, yeah, no problem. You four guys in your big backpacks, jump on the jeep with us and go to our village. So, so the people we need in our lives are sure footed people. And when we're engaged in a discerning lifestyle following God's way, uh, we'll not only have, have the blessing of walking that way ourselves, but we will impact others. And then lastly, calmed to be confident. Uh, when is a good time to gauge your emotions? I would set an alarm for two, three, four in the morning, wake up in the middle of the night, and then do an assessment. Because, you know, I can go through my day busy and distracted and everything's going on. And then I wake up at like 3.37 and I think, <gasps> do you ever have that experience? I start, my mind starts going, Edna sleeps all through the night. She doesn't have this experience. Oh, Pat does that for you. <laughs> you could, yeah, I'm, I'm available if you need to outsource your worries. Just give me a list and I'll wake up in the middle of the night for you. Right? But it's interesting to me that in verse uh, 24, the reference is you'll lie down in peace, you'll sleep, you'll be rested. Even in the, the dark of night when, you know, life seems the most scary, that's when you'll experience a calm. And when we're calmed by the reality that God is at work and sovereign, then we as his people can walk in confidence, graced to be gracious, led to be leaders, and calmed to be confident. 
I just want to give a further thought of application of discernment by shifting from the Old Testament term, which obviously is what we find in Proverbs 3, to the New Testament term for discern, which has a little different sense. It has the sense of what's probably more familiar to us in the English definition. It has the idea of distinguishing, differentiating. Um, it could be, you know, I discern that if I'm going to uh, put this wood together, it's probably better to use uh, a, a nail than um, a small little staple or a piece of tape. Examples include in the New Testament everywhere, everything from discerning the weather, which is pretty easy today. I think it's going to be wet. Uh, Matthew 16, 3, Jesus criticizes, he challenges the people, look, you can, you can look at the weather, you can look at the skies and have a sense, you can discern what's coming in the weather, but of course, they weren't taking thought for their soul. Um, so there's that physical discernment, but even to the discerning of spirits, we read about that in Second, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Even further, we know that there is a gift of discernment. So some uh, in the body of Christ are particularly gifted with discernment, and they help us as a church family to understand direction. I want to uh, share maybe four cautions here just by way of application. I think it's very clear from passages like 1 Corinthians 2.14 that we'll only engage in active discernment of God's ways if we're regenerated, if we're in a relationship with Jesus. And as we are, here's a couple, here's a couple of thoughts. Um, so first of all, are you merely a looky-loo of God's wisdom? You see here, looky-loos, kicking tires. Lately, I've been not kicking tires, but I confess I have been looking at boats. I have been thinking about buying a boat. Um, uh, I think my wife actually wants me to buy a boat, but I'm a looky-loo. I say, oh, that's, that's nice. It's not much work when you just look at it online, right? <laughs> there's no cleanup. There's no fuel up. There's no transportation. It's just a looky-loo. And I do think it's possible to get into that uh, unfortunate uh, tendency to say, yeah, I, I agree. That's what God wants. Okay, what's for lunch, right? Just be a looky-loo. I think also we can fall prey to a pseudo discernment. I can remember times in our lives, I remember one particular time where after all of the dust settled and we had made uh, some big decisions based on cost and different financial things, um, we looked back and we said, actually, um, we would have been better to spend more money at the beginning. And it, it was just, it was just a time of really regretting how we had made a decision. Now, there was a lot of unforeseen circumstances involved in that, but just think about these different pseudo-discerning features. Do we sometimes decide things on convenience? Well, that's easier, it's, or it's more efficient, or it costs less. If you don't think that happens in the church, I can give you stories. I've been in a church business meeting we were trying, and I thought we were trying to discern God's direction in a certain matter. And what do you think was the first question? What do you think it was? How much does it cost, right? How much does it cost? I would suggest to you that's not real discernment. It 
is definitely part of our discernment, but our real discernment is what is God's way here? What's God's way? What is God doing? How is God speaking to us? And maybe God is speaking to us in a far different way than we imagined, and money might not even be an issue. So there can be pseudo-discernment. I think there's also uh, an important that we ask ourselves, are we experiencing that discernment is guarding us from the false way? You can have a look at 1 John chapter 4, where, where there's a unique phrase there, the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. I actually have a pamphlet from years ago with that title, but it comes from 1 John 4, verse 6, the fact that the Holy Spirit helps us discern and distinguish what is true compared to, uh, for example, in, in that pamphlet, a cult group that, was, uh, that might be teaching that Jesus isn't the Son of God when the Scripture makes it very clear that He is. So discernment also guards us. And then another question to ask is, um, are we humbly learning and growing in our walk with God because of discernment? Are we finding our way through all of the different ideas, the different spiritual trends and concepts? And just as we uh, get to, just about to wrap up here, I want to bring uh, forward just one um, caution that has come to my attention of late, although it's not that new. Out of the Protestant Reformation came the Reformed theological tradition, and we, we reflect some of that in our, in our context, um, but there's a really interesting phrase, semper reformanda, always reforming, always growing in a, a more clear picture of our relationship with God. And of late, um, we've had a, a tendency in the evangelical world uh, to not discern so much as to deconstruct. Maybe you've heard about theological deconstruction. In March 2019, Sam Hales wrote an article called Deconstructing Faith, Meet the Evangelicals Who Are Questioning Everything. Just going to give you two little highlights. The rest you can, you can explore more on Digging Deeper. I've got quotes and the links there. But the writer says this, academics have dubbed this theological deconstruction, but in simple terms, they're referring to what happens when a person asks questions that lead to the careful dismantling of their previous beliefs. Now, how much of that is wise? Semper reformanda, always reforming, clarifying, and discerning, and how much of that is what I think John Williamson, one of those quoted, um, expresses a little more. It's examining your faith from the inside looking for potential weaknesses. It's about taking ownership over what you believe and potentially letting uh, go of some of the things that no longer work. And I'm struggling to see um, the blessing of a deconstruction um, approach to our faith that says, ah, maybe in a previous generation, this truth worked for that generation, but that truth doesn't fit me today. That is highly subjective. It's not true engagement with, the, you know, the wisdom of, of God. And so I, I really encourage you, check out this article and think a little bit more about what that is. Um, but I think God has already provided for us. He didn't say, please, 
Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will help you stick your head in the sand. He never said that, right? He, Jesus invites um, difficult questions, hard questions. Uh, I would invite your difficult and hard questions. If they're really hard and really difficult, you're going to have to be patient with me. I might have to learn more to explore that with you, but I invite that. And it's not where I would invite you to say, yeah, I don't know, not so enamored with the faith as it's, I've experienced it. Sometimes we experience a harsh expression of faith. Um, many people can attest to, wow, the way I grew up, uh, you know, as, 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 as different as my wife and I are culturally, linguistically, geographically, we kind of grew up the same way because we had the same performance expectations of a person who had, you know, was in the church and how you dressed and how you spoke and where you went and what you didn't do on Sunday. So we're not talking about um, not um, being uh, thinking, um, but I would, I, would just, I would just caution you about getting drawn into the deconstruction um, trend because, as the author of this article says, um, asking questions is arguably a sign that a, a person's faith is growing, not uh, stagnating. Um, but uh, he also documents how many people only get to the questioning and the tearing apart and not the growing in the Lord. So I really believe that when we come to a, a passage like this and a topic like discernment, it's not an ancient um, um, wise saying from the Old Testament. It's a, a vibrant, um, practical um, piece of equipment for us as we journey through difficult places in our lives, trying to uh, faithfully engage truly you know, with the way of God, with the wisdom of God, not, not just with the mechanics and, and, and practices of, of some denomination or church, but really with a vibrant walk with Jesus. I think God has given us discernment as a gift for that. And then, as I mentioned earlier, God has particularly gifted some people um, with the gift of discernment, and they help us. We work together to discern. I hope you know I hope you know very clearly that we have a form of leadership in our church that isn't one grand poobah making all the decisions, but we have a team called the leadership team. We have other leaders. We meet together. Uh, we try to together discern God's will. I really believe that the reason we're even meeting in this location is because, I can't even remember when it was, October of 2019, or it was after we got the eviction notice, but I remember a meeting we had. It really impacted me where I didn't know what to do and the others we were trying to figure out and we talked and, and we just had this sense. Uh, I, I certainly sensed that together God was saying to us, Webster's Corners will be a good location for us to be, you know. And what an encouragement that was to know um, when we couldn't get in here or, you know, other, other challenges when we couldn't meet at all, that we had heard God uh, direct us and he had given us discernment. What a blessing. I hope that for you in every aspect of your life. Well, just to wrap up, I've got three prayers I want to just show you briefly and remind you that we're all 
uh, every follower of Jesus is invited uh, to distinguish good from evil. That's from Hebrews 5 and verse 14. These prayers have got on digging deeper. I'm not going to go through them in detail, but I just want to share them with you because maybe we don't know sometimes how to ask God for discernment. But uh, for example, maybe you're facing a difficult responsibility. This prayer comes from 1 Kings chapter 3. It's Solomon's prayer. Notice especially uh, near the end he says, Lord, give your servant a discerning heart. So maybe you've got a huge responsibility. Maybe it's a new responsibility or it could be ongoing and you need wisdom. We need to ask God for wisdom and in particular for a discerning heart just like Solomon prayed. The second, uh, the second um, need could be in the area of uh, letting go. Uh, here I've got a, a brief prayer. It just comes at the close of a, a chapter from uh, Richard Foster's book, Prayer, Finding the Heart's True Home. He has just been going through a, a chapter talking about a prayer of relinquishing to God the control, letting him lead in our lives. And so sometimes discerning is about giving God the control to guide us and direct us. If I've got my hands gripped so tightly on the steering wheel of my life, and then I'm saying, okay, God, tell me which way to go, and then maybe we need to recognize God is saying, actually, let go of the steering wheel, slide over to the passenger seat, I will show you the way to go. Sometimes this process of discerning is about letting God be in control. So you might want to pray this prayer. And then lastly, maybe you're overwhelmed by the needs of the world. A uh, prayer that's probably familiar to many uh, was written by St. Francis of Assisi, and in it he had this phrase, where there is, let me show. Uh, where this is happening, let me respond this way. And I think we need that kind of discernment. What's, what are the needs in our community? How can we meet those needs? That's an aspect of discernment that we need as well. Let's just bow in prayer. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the gift of discernment, uh, particularly that you've, you've equipped, uh, particularly equipped some people in the body to help us. Uh, you've given us gifted writers and speakers and people in our own congregation that help us um, divide between um, maybe even uh, a good choice and the better choice that you have for us. So thanks for how you provide for us that way. But I, I just ask, Lord, that in, in, in all of our hearts, in mine in particular, um, Lord, that we would have um, this active engagement in your ways uh, that when, uh, you know, the world around us might be screaming at us to go in one direction, we would, would have um, your grace, your courage to go in the direction uh, that you have for us. Uh, bind us together in a, uh, a shared discernment so that as we um, seek to reach out to our community, we're, we're doing it in the way that you want us to. I pray this all in your name. Amen.